0: All right, well, let's just kind of review Joseph's life, what we've covered the last couple weeks. Joseph's life has made a significant turn. I mean, everything's changed. He's gone from rags to riches, from being in prison for years on end to suddenly overnight being placed at the top of, of the government in leadership, and he's second in command. And guys, he's second in command only only because Pharaoh has the title. He has the throne. But really, Joseph is really the one running the show because in Scripture it says that no one raised a finger or took a step without Joseph's permission. It's just another way of saying that Joseph was in charge. Okay, And Joseph got married. He had two boys, Manasseh and Ephraim. And life is just really turning around for him. And you think, oh, it's just beautiful. But, you know, I'll say this. I really think that no matter how great life is for Joseph, he's still a foreigner in a foreign land. He's an outsider. He's a Hebrew man living in an Egyptian country. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but Egyptians hated Hebrews. They despised them. And so, and so here he is. He's living in a country that hates his kind. And he hasn't seen his family for 13 years. 13 years, he hasn't seen his dad. Remember, he and his dad were close. Dad was his biggest cheerleader, and, and he hasn't seen his dad for 13 years. He hasn't had a conversation with them. They didn't have Instagram or Snapchat back then. Didn't, dad didn't send him a selfie every day. I mean, the, he, he probably couldn't remember what his dad looked like. And I'm sure he was super homesick. I'm sure he missed the food that they ate back home. I'm sure he missed mom's cooking. And, and the, the Hebrew food that they would make in that land. How many guys are from a different country? Raise your hand. Okay. Do you miss the food from back home? No? All right. Anybody else? Okay. Well, I, I grew up in Colombia. And I'm just to be frank with you I miss Colombian food. I love Colombian food. They would make arepas and yuca and platanos and all that stuff. And I just I wish that they had a place where we could get that here. Um, and, And I missed that. And so I'm sure Joseph was homesick. I'm sure he missed you know all the stuff that he had back at home. And here he was second in command, but there was a hole in his heart that I'm sure would still hurt. And I'm sure he laid in bed at night thinking about home and about his family and about his mom and about his dad and maybe even his dog that he left behind. I don't know. But here, 13 years, he's been away and the pain had to have been real. And all this Because of who? Who is to blame for Joseph's situation? His brothers. His brothers were the cause of all of this. Well, if you remember, Jake talked about a dream that Pharaoh had. Seven fat cows and seven skinny cows, and the seven skinny cows ate the seven fat cows. And then Pharaoh had another dream, and he dreamed of seven um, stalks of grain and, and fat stalks of grain, and then seven skinny, wimpy stalks of grain. And the seven skinny, wimpy stalks of grain ate the skinny or the fat stalks of grain, and just weird stuff. But Pharaoh was all concerned about the dream, didn't know what it was, so they called Joseph out of prison. Joseph says, "He, hey, buddy, here's here's what's going on. God is showing you what's about to happen," and he, and he says, "Listen, the." You're going to have seven years of amazing prosperity. I mean, it's just going to be amazing. But immediately when those seven years are over, you're going to have seven years of famine. And the famine is going to be so bad, you'll forget about all the prosperity. And so Pharaoh's like, oh my word, what do we do? And he says, well, here's what I'd tell you what I would do. And he says, I would take the seven years to prepare, to store up, to get ready for the days of famine. And Pharaoh's like, dude, that's brilliant. That's awesome. You're so wise. God is with you. Hey, everyone, let's put Joseph in charge of this. And that's how Joseph got put in charge. And so Joseph was in charge of running the show to prepare this for the seven years of famine. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. For seven years, there was incredible prosperity. I mean, people would grow gardens, and it would be wonderful tomato plants and corn, and they would just go in, you know, load it up. And it was just amazing, year after year after year. And and Joseph was, was... For the government, the Egyptian government, he was growing fields of stuff of grain. And they were getting so much crops of grain that he would build granary after granary after granary after after grain to store this grain up. And he used to keep charting. I don't know if they had a pen or if he'd chisel it in or whatever. But he got so much that he's like, you know what, I'm not even keep track anymore. It's just, that's a lot of grain. And, you know, he couldn't keep up with it. But that was good because... Just like God showed Pharaoh in his dream, the famine was about to hit. And let me tell you, when it hit, it hit. And if you kids don't know what a famine is, a famine is when nothing will grow. The weather doesn't cooperate, and there's no rain, or there's too much rain, or there's hail that damages the crops, and the bugs come in, and they destroy everything. And I mean, famine is nasty stuff. And, and when you can't grow anything there's no food to eat it'd be like walking into pick and save and you're going into the produce aisle you know where all the fruit and vegetables are, and you go in there and it's completely empty and going hey where are the apples my wife's making apple pie where are the apples and where's the corn i'm gonna make corn chowder and the manager goes hey bro i'm sorry farmers they haven't brought anything in over a month now and we've run completely out and you're just like oh my word so you go home to your pantry, and you know how it is in your pantry. You just kind of like, okay, there's a can of tuna and some pinto beans, and the year is three years old. And like, well, a man's got to eat, and so that's what you have. And you know what? If that only lasted a month, it'd be one thing. But this was going on year after year after year. And I don't care who you are, your pantry is isn't going to be able to hold out. And and the famine was so bad that everybody's pantry ran out and they all came to Joseph and they're like, dude, we're starving. What do we do? And Joseph was like, well, I have grain here. I'll sell it to you. And so everybody would line up and they would purchase their grain. They'd go home and they'd have something to eat. And day after day, month after month, year after year, people would line up to buy the grain. And let me tell you something, guys. If Joseph had not prepared for this, thousands of people would have died. So it was by the grace of God and the wisdom that God gave Joseph that he was able to prepare for this. So thank goodness. Well, this famine wasn't just in Egypt. Apparently, this famine spread out across a lot of the world. And it was affecting countries from a long way away. And you know how news travels. uh, Word began to spread that Egypt had plenty of food. And so if you brought money, you could buy, buy some. And so people in neighboring countries were making their way to Egypt to buy food in order to just stay alive. Well, guess what? Guess who was running out of food? Guess who was going hungry? Joseph's family. Back in the land of Canaan. They were running out of food, and things were starting to get a little scary, and they didn't know how they were going to survive. And so let's read what is about to happen. It says, when Jacob... Now, who's Jacob, kids? Remind me. That's Joseph's dad. He's the really old man, okay? Now, when Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons... Why are you standing around looking at one another? I've heard there's grain in Egypt. So go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we'll die. And I love that. I love that Jacob says that. It's like, why are you standing around looking at each other? Apparently, they're all out of food. Everybody's hungry. And the brothers are just like, hey, what's up? Hey. hey. What's up? Hey. And the dad's like, Guys. Why are you sitting around looking at each other? Get down to Egypt and get some food or we're going to die. You can look at each other on the way down to Egypt. Not here. So Joseph's ten older brothers went down to Egypt to buy grain. But, pay attention to this, Jacob wouldn't let Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, go with them for fear some harm might come to him. So Jacob's sons arrived in Egypt along with others to buy food, for the famine was in Canaan as well. So the ten brothers, they travel all the way to Egypt, and they finally get there, they're walking into the city. And guys, let me tell you something. You know how in movies where the music starts to build up and it just starts to get all suspenseful and everything? If this was a movie, this is where the music would start to get start to build up. Be like, dun, 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 dun. It'd be awesome. Because here's where the story starts to just come into full you know, view. Let's keep reading. Since Joseph was governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. And when they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. And although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. And he remembered the dreams he had about them many years before. So all ten brothers show up before Joseph, and what do they do? They bow down with their heads to the ground. And I want to stop there for a second. You know, all along in this series, we've been calling Joseph the dreamer. Why do we call him the dreamer? Because he had some dreams, right? Does anybody remember the dream that Joseph had? Pastor Josh talked about this the second week of the series. What was the dream he had? Okay. In case you forget, he dreamed, let's have a picture up here, of these sheaves of grain. There was this one sheaf of grain standing in the center. And there were ten sheaves of grain all around him, and they all bowed down to him. Well, he had that dream, and he goes, hey, bros, guess what? I had a dream last night. And I dreamed that uh, you know, I'm sitting there, and uh, I'm in, you know, I think I'm the guy in the center, and all these other ones are bowing down to me, and I think that represents you guys. And how did his brothers re- handle that? Do you really think we're ever going to bow down to you? You can forget that, punk. You little... They were ticked. They were ticked off that he would even suggest that. Well, guess what? Here we are at this moment in time. And guess what happened? The dream just came true. The dream has been fulfilled right here in this Verse. All the people represented in the dream were here. All ten brothers are bowing down before Joseph, just like the dream told him years ago. You can put it like this, the dream team is all together. They've been reunited. This is the original dream team, guys. And Joseph instantly has a flashback to his dream and goes, oh my word. This is what the dream was referring to, this specific moment. Now, we've got to kind of stop here for a second. We've got to talk about this because I think we could miss this. But we should really discuss what's going on in Joseph's mind. We don't really know because Scripture doesn't tell us, but we can try to imagine. But the last time Joseph saw his brothers, can you tell me, what were they doing to him? They were selling him into slavery. And right before that, what did they do to him? They threw him into a pit. What did they want to do to him? They wanted to kill him. That was the last time that Joseph saw his brothers. Now, that is, if, if you do the math, that at the very least was 20 years ago. A long time has gone by since then. So, do you think because a long time has gone by, do you think Joseph is like, Dude, that was 20 years ago. Big deal. I mean, it is what it is. I, you know, it's not that big a deal. They're just being big brothers, you know. I mean, yeah, I was a slave for 10 or 12 years, but eh, so what? And yeah, I rotted in prison for like three years, but you know, they're just being big brothers. It's like a practical joke gone bad. (laughs) They're just messing around. you think that's how Joseph was? Well, we don't know. But if he was, that certainly wasn't the norm. Because let me tell you what the norm is. When someone does something mean or wrong to us or against us, we will hold on to it for sometimes years and decades. I will meet with people all the time. They'll, they'll talk about, they'll be in their 30s and 40s and even 50s and say, they'll talk about what someone did to them in high school, how a certain individual hurt them or did some wrong against them. And they, they have all this anger and this, this resentment and bitterness against that person. I mean, when someone hurts us, the normal thing is, is to hold a grudge and think about it for years after. I mean, so much so that you know how it is when we go to our our high school reunions. We'll walk through our high school reunions and we'll see, you know, there's that Jojo. His little punk, little smug look on his face. I'd like to wipe that smug look right off of his face. 30 years ago he did this to me. And we're all ticked. And that was 30 years ago. That's the normal. That's what human beings do. And that anger can lead to bitterness and hatred and all sorts of horrible stuff. And guys... The fact that Joseph was a human being just like you and me means that I'm sure he dealt with a significant amount of anger about this towards his brothers. He had to have. I'm sure life wasn't just peaches and roses for him emotionally. I'm sure he pictured that event of being thrown into the pit and saying they were going to kill him and then being sold into slavery over and over and over again. I'm sure he relived that event over and over. That memory haunted him. And I'm sure he would dream of what he would do to his brothers when and if he ever saw them again. I'm sure he thought of revenge. He had to have. Scripture doesn't tell us, but we have to understand that Joseph was a regular dude just like you and me. Yes, an amazing guy, but he dealt with emotions just like you and I do. So I'm sure there was some undealt with anger towards his brothers. There had to have been. And so it's not crazy that when he suddenly saw his brothers bowing down before him, all those emotions just suddenly probably came flooding back. And the reason I think that is the reason I think I'm right about this is because Joseph acts a bit, a bit erratic here. He, he does some really weird stuff. He says some weird things. And you can see there's a battle going on in his mind and heart. Let me show you. Joseph said to them, You're spies. You've come to see how vulnerable our land has become. And they're like, No, my lord. They exclaimed, Your servants have simply come to buy food. We're all brothers, members of the same family. We're honest men, sir. We're not spies. Yes, you are, Joseph insisted. You've come to see how vulnerable our land has become. Now remember, the brothers have no idea this is Joseph. Joseph knows who they are, but they don't know who he is. And you can tell that Joseph is not all ponies and unicorns here when he sees his brothers. He he doesn't run out to them and say, bros, hey, it's me, come in, group uh, hug, everybody in. He doesn't do that. No, he's like, you're a bunch of spies in the land you're just coming to take advantage of you dirty little suckers and the brothers are like no 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 listen we've just come to buy food we're all brothers we're members of the same family and i love that they say this they say we're honest men i'm sure joe's like oh yeah real honest really stinking honest you sold your younger brother into slavery and you lied to your dad about it Mm-hmm. really really honest and so Joseph keeps messing with them and freaking him out. He's like, oh, yes, you are. You're, you're spies coming to see how you can take us over. That's exactly what you are. And the brothers are like, sir, there's actually 12 of us. We, your servants, are all brothers, son of a man, living in the land of Canaan. And our youngest brother is back there with our father right now. And one of our brothers is no longer with us. Now, a couple of things to notice in this, these verses here. Notice they say, our youngest brother is back with our father. Notice that? Let me ask you, when we started the series, who was the youngest brother? Joseph. Joseph was. He was the son of his father's old age. He was the youngest one. So apparently since Joseph has been gone, a younger brother has been born. Okay. Now scholars will argue about that. Some think that Benjamin was born while he was still home. Some believe that he was born after Joseph was sold into slavery. I lean towards the latter. But Joseph hears about this younger brother, and then notice what the brothers say. They say, We also have another brother who's not with us. And I think that's a bit funny. I'm sure Joseph is like, You're thinking right, he's not with us. You sold him into slavery. And you're looking at him right now. And so Joseph keeps pressing him and he keeps putting pressure on him and scaring them out of their mind. And he says this, he goes, This is how I'm going to test your story. I swear by the life of Pharaoh that you'll never leave Egypt unless your youngest brother comes here. Well, why wasn't his youngest brother here? Because dad, Jacob, was scared that something bad was going to happen to him. And so Joseph's like, you know what? One of you's got to go back and get your brother. I'll keep the rest of you here in prison. And then we'll find out whether or not your story is true. By the life of Pharaoh, if it turns out that you don't have a younger brother, then I'll know you're spies. So Joseph put them all in prison for three days and I don't know it's just me thinking here but that had to feel pretty good (laughs) I can imagine like have fun boys hope you enjoy the accommodations I was here for three years because of you and so you know what goes around comes around and he lets them sit there for three days in prison and and these guys had to been scared out of their mind well on the third day Joseph said to them I am a God-fearing man, and I think God has been working on his heart and mind here, and he goes, if you do as I say, uh, you will live, and you really are, if you really are honest men, choose one of your brothers to remain in prison. The rest of you may go home with grain for your starving families, but you must bring your youngest brother back to me, and this will prove that you're telling the truth, and you will not die. And to this they agreed. Now, if you notice, Joseph—you can see this—Joseph is kind. Of, he's being erratic. He's, he makes one decision and he changes it. And he's, he first he was like going to keep everybody and send one back, but now he's changed his mind. He's just going to keep one. He's going to send the rest back. He's telling them that they need to choose, and then we're going to see later that he chooses the guy. And so he, you can tell he's wrestling with a lot of junk in his mind. But let me read you the next verse because it's a very interesting part of the story. Look at this: the brothers, speaking among themselves, they said clearly, "We're being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago." We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, but we wouldn't listen. And that's why we're in this trouble. Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, Reuben asked? But you wouldn't listen. And now we have to answer for his blood. Now, of course, they didn't know that Joseph understood them. For he had been speaking to them through an interpreter. So do you see that? What do the brothers think the reason is that they're having to go through this hardship. What do they instantly blame? What they did back to Joseph years ago. They instantly go back 20, 25 years in the past... To what they did to their younger brother Joseph. And they instantly make that connection and they go, it's because of that. And you want to know why? Here's why. When we choose to sin against God and commit evil against another human being, it never leaves our mind, never does. We will think about it and think about it and think about it for the rest of our lives and the guilt and the shame and the regret will plague us day in and day out. I've talked to many people who've done some really bad things against other human beings and the common thing I'm told is that there's not a day that goes by where they don't think about it and regret it. Because you see, sin brings death. It brings death. And until you receive forgiveness and the healing that God offers, sin and the effects of it and the regret of it and the shame of it and the guilt of it will follow you every single day. Sin never pays off. It always brings death. Now, it may seem like a good idea at the time and you you selfishly want it your way, but in the end, it always brings death and shame and guilt and deep regret. And I I just want to stop here for a second and, and address all of us here. If there is any one of us here today who are on the brink of making a decision where we're going to sin against God, where we're going to try to indulge our flesh and do something that we've wanted to do but we know God is against it, I just want to tell you, don't do it. Don't do it. It may seem fun at the time, but I guarantee you, it will always bring death and destruction. Run away from it. Say no to it, because it will plague you. It will plague you for the rest of your life. And that's what's happening to these brothers. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure every time over these last 20, 25 years where they endured some type of hardship, I bet you their mind went back, oh, it's because of Joseph. I'm sure they'd be building something, hit their thumb with a hammer, ah, it's of Joseph, it's my fault. I mean, that's what you do. That's what our mind does. And sure enough, the minute that they're facing this hardship, being thrown into prison, what do they think? Well, here we go. We're getting punished for what we did to Joseph. What goes around comes around. It's just our punishment. I mean, the poor guy was begging for his life, and we wouldn't listen to him. And I love Reuben. He puts in his two cents there. He's like, guys, I don't want to say this, but I told you so. Didn't I warn you? Yes, I warned you. Now we're having to pay for it. Thanks a lot. Something they did 20 years ago is still plaguing them. Pretty interesting, isn't it? You know what's interesting, too, is that they're saying all of this in front of Joseph, thinking he doesn't understand them, because he had been speaking through an interpreter. He had been playing the part. But Joseph is hearing all of this, and i got to say, this has to be emotional for Joseph. I mean, he's hearing this, and it's gut-wrenching. He's hearing what's going on in their hearts and their minds, and, and it gets so much so that he begins to weep. And he he has to turn away from his brothers so that they don't see him. And I'm sure he did the whole, there's a lot of allergies in Egypt at this time of year. I just got (laughs) to pull away, you know, he probably did that thing. But he regains his composure. And when he regained his composure, he spoke to them again. And then he chose Simeon from among them and he had him tied up right before their eyes. He ties Simeon up, throws him in the prison, and he sends the rest of his brothers home with sacks of grain, telling them, listen, if you want your brother back and to be let out of prison, then you need to bring your youngest brother here. If you're really telling the truth, then you would come back with him, and then Simeon will be let go. But your brother's going to sit here, and he's going to rot in jail until you do so. And he sends him off. And that's where we're going to leave the story today. The dream team has been reunited. The brothers have no idea that it's Joseph. They have no idea how God is working. They're simply living in fear and guilt and shame for something that they did years ago. And Joseph, on the other hand, is having to work through this whole thing in his mind and heart, and and he's, he's having to deal with all these emotions that he's probably held deeply in his heart for years. And I'm confident that God is working in his heart, removing the anger and the bitterness that's been stored there and the hatred that it might have been built up for the years. God is at work in Joseph's life and we're going to see next week and the week to come a deep restoration and reconciliation that only God could do because it would be humanly impossible. But we're going to save that for next week. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this story that is thousands of years old and yet it still has application for us today. Whether we're little or young, or world and God I, w- I want to pray if there are some in our midst today who are on the brink of making a horrific decision and sinning against you God, I pray that you would just work miraculously in their life and put a wall up and stop them protect them from the death that it brings and God if there are some in our midst who have made horrific decisions in their life and it's plaguing them with guilt and shame and regret I pray, God, that they would come to a point where they receive your forgiveness and your love and your restoration that only you can bring and bring healing in their lives. And, God, I pray all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus, who we just remembered today did amazing things for us on the cross. We pray this in your name. Amen. Guys, love you so very, very much. Have an amazing weekend, and we will see you next Sunday.